Something wrong with this guy. What's wrong with you? I should just ice your ass right now. Yeah? Yeah. Why, because I dance with one of your boyfriends? <laughs> Done. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> totally good. Everything's great over here. <laughs> the neighbors are digging some sort of doomsday trench in their backyard with a huge backhoe. Everything's great. It's great. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? I don't about? know. I don't know. <laughs> Yesterday, a semi-tractor trailer delivered a backhoe to my neighbor's house, and they have been nonstop digging a trench ever since. New sprinklers? Uh, Hopefully. Do you need a backhoe to put in sprinklers? And they also already have a pool. I mean, hmm. they have chickens and stuff, so I feel like Doomsday Trench isn't far off. Maybe they're putting in a bunker. I don't know. Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> report back, because I want to know all about that. <laughs> uh, as long as it's not like a mass grave or they're burying garbage. <laughs> or like. <laughs> You just see them dumping like money and medication and a bunch of stuff in there. You're like, yeah, what is happening? Like an armory. <laughs> it's just like a cement bunker. I don't know. Yeah. Well, all right. Um, well, hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of So Five Minutes Ago, the podcast where we discuss the movies that have us doing oddly aggressive dances that don't seem germane to the central story. <laughs> We're your host, Kate. <laughs> and Shannon. Today, we are talking about 1985's Tough Turf. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Dear listeners, we have to thank you for bringing this movie to us. Mm -hmm. Neither of us had seen this, and it was one of the most requested movies when we asked what movies we should cover for this podcast, and it was great. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sh Shannon, first impressions? Oh, my gosh. I, I did not expect so much choreography, for one. Uh, I didn't expect that James Spader was an actually competent dancer, so that was super interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously, it pulled a lot from some classic storylines, um, but I think overall, we've got a real winner here. Yeah, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised at how much I liked this movie, because um, in the past, I've stumbled upon little known 80s movies you know if you're just kind of browsing through mm -hmm. like streaming services whatever and um thought maybe i discovered like a hidden gem because i'm like oh what's this 80s movie that i've never heard of before but then i start watching it and i'm like oh mm -hmm. now i understand why nobody talks about this movie <laughs> <laughs> it's like on the simpsons when mo eats the rejected oreos at the gun club <laughs> meeting and he's like i don't see what's wrong with yeah. this one and then he eats it and he's like oh <laughs> <laughs> but this tough turf is a sleeper hit yeah, it, it is it was a pleasant surprise. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for directing us to this absolute 80s gem. Mm -hmm. I am so excited to talk about it today. Uh, normally, this is where we would jump into some behind the scenes trivia, but there wasn't much available for this movie. So mm -hmm. all we know is that this was James Spader's first starring role, which is pretty impressive for how good yeah, he is. Yeah, for sure. In it. Yeah. 
This movie has a 17% score on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. Yeah. As they sometimes <laughs> are want to be. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was basically just filmed all around LA and Hollywood for locations. So hmm. that's it. Wow. <laughs> that is the least amount of behind the scenes information I think we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up doing a lot of digging into the soundtrack. So as we go through uh, the plot, I will shine some light on the song choices. Keeping in mind that most of these songs are impossible to find unless you download yeah. them from YouTube. Um, but even then, you still can't find everything. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get to that. Um, and also, since we're trivia light on this episode, I will use this time to remind everybody to rate and review us, uh, especially if you're listening via Apple Podcasts. And like, I know that rate and review is something you hear on like every single podcast. So at this point, it's something that's really easy to just <laughs> ignore and have it be white noise that passes through your ears. <laughs> But rating and reviewing us really does help, Mm -hmm. and it helps other listeners find us. And the more listeners we have, the more sponsors we get, which allows us to make these episodes for your free listening pleasure. Mm -hmm. So please, if you like us or find us tolerable, (laughs) please just take a moment to go uh, rate this podcast with as many stars as you see fit. And as of this recording, we have 11 ratings. Wow. And we have way more than 11 (laughs) listeners, which means a lot of you sitting on your tokus and not rating us so <laughs> go do that please and thank you all right on with the show okay so we open on a night shot of a teenage james spader riding his bike through various parts of los angeles and the valley while this song plays Okay, so here's the first amazing song um, performed by Marianne Faithful, British invasion pop singer turned dark Chanteuse. This song is out of this world emo and will stick with you long after you've seen this movie. Um, mm-hmm. It was actually written by Jonathan Elias, a prolific American composer who wrote soundtracks for movies like Blade Runner and Back to the Future. He also wrote a lot of music under his own name and collaborated with Duran Duran, Grace Jones. So let that sink in for a second, because this man is a genius. And by the way, he also wrote the 1981 theme song for MTV, if you remember that. Um, So like the bat, 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 Oh, cool. I know, right? Uh, So he he kind of single handedly sets the tone for the movie and weaves the music almost seamlessly right off the bat from this opening scene. Yeah. Yeah, and this scene is beautifully shot. It's a lot of neon lights reflecting on wet pavement. It's it's real moody. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Uh, we also see an actor credit for Robert Downey, no junior. <laughs> so as the music fades out, we cut to a scene of street toughs rifling through magazines and newspapers at a newsstand. Note, not a newspaper box <laughs> like in Pretty in Pink, but an actual newsstand as the rest of us and not my husband understand <laughs> it. <laughs> yes, the full gum and candy selection. Yes, 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 yes. Across the street, a middle-aged businessman walks out of a bar and waits at the curb for either a bus or a cab. It's late and the street is pretty empty and quiet. One of the gang guys at the newsstand across the street gives a nod and from around the corner, a young woman emerges and approaches the businessman. This young woman is Frankie, played by Kim Richards, and she looks like a like an actual totally hair Barbie come to life. Oh, okay, now. wow. 
Yeah, I know in our License to Drive episode, I spent a good amount of time <laughs> talking about Heather Graham's magical hair, but my gosh, Kim Richards' hair in this movie deserves an entire segment of discussion <laughs> because it's like another character in this film. It really is, yeah. Yeah, it's waist-length, blonde, crimped hair that moves like silky fringe when mm. she walks. Like, how long must it have taken to crimp all of that hair? Easily five hours. Yeah, I'm picturing crimping like your hair, yeah. like so much hair. Layers <laughs> just... and la- layers upon layers, and then the length that she has, and then, yeah, mm-hmm. just how little the sections can be when you crimp them. Yes, <laughs> yes, especially, and it's the little crimper, uh-huh. not the big wavy crimper, the little zigzag crimper. So yeah, and then also what an entrance, like she emerges from the shadows in this short red sort of blouse dress with a late uh, a white lace tank underneath. And big black belt, black stockings, red high heels. She has on all the accessories, <laughs> a headband across her forehead, bracelets, a chain necklace, mismatched earrings, one of which looks like it's made out of pieces of coiled phone cord. Mm-hmm. Th- this look head to toe is incredible. Yeah. It's just like she comes from around the corner and you're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway. Frankie stands next to the businessman and smiles at him. When he smiles back, she asks if he has change for a five. As the man takes out his money clip, the gang across the street jumps into action. That's actually too dramatic a description. (laughs) They ever so slowly take forever to approach the businessman who has his back turned to them. One of them breaks off the antenna from a nearby Ah. car and just starts whipping it around. So ignorant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A couple of them brandish pocket knives. The gang leader, whose name is Nick, grabs the businessman and sort of like pushes slash falls into him up against a wall and holds a knife to his neck to mug him. Uh-oh. <laughs> but then James Spader, whose name is Morgan in this movie, rides his bike through the scene to save the day. Yo, Nick! My baby. Thanks. Oh. Rain from heaven! <laughs> all right so (laughs) there's a lot going on there there's a lot that happens there uh he grabs a beer out of frankie's friend's hand and in one smooth ride by he kicks a bad guy in the stomach he ducks another's punch he shakes up the beer and sprays it in another guy's face causing him to spray nick in the face with spray paint (laughs) as he rides by whippy antenna guy uh he slashes the back of morgan's leather jacket as he rides away and then Frankie stares after him in wonder, all like, who's this new mystery boy who stood up to the local street toughs? Mm. <laughs> all right. So the next morning, maybe, um, we're at Morgan's new house in the valley. I think this is supposed to be a crappy neighborhood compared to wherever he came from, but it's like a pretty average looking neighborhood. Yeah. I, I, was, I, yeah. I was actually wondering why the movie is trying so hard to act like Reseda is a dump because it's mm-hmm. just the valley like it also doesn't make sense that he would move all the way from LA or all the way to LA from the east coast when they could have just moved to Buffalo or something I don't know that's a good point why they made that huge <laughs> leap yeah that's a good point that's expensive to move mm-hmm. across the country maybe he just thought his dad thought real estate would be better mm. in LA I actually yeah, looked that's... that up because I was just like okay if he's trying to become a real estate agent in what did we say 85 um, mm-hmm. I looked it up and actually it was booming out here then. So, okay. I guess it makes sense. Well, maybe that's why. Yeah. 
Well, Morgan's mom, Paige, is on the phone expositing that Morgan had some trouble at his last school, and she's worried that this new school and bad neighborhood that they've just moved into will reinforce his old bad habits. In Morgan's room, the camera pans over moving boxes full of books and an Albert Einstein poster on the wall. Morgan is like super smart, you guys. Um, as cockroaches crawl up the walls in broad daylight. Don't they not come out when it's light? Like, I don't know. I've lived in places with cockroaches. I've never seen them during the day. So I don't know. Well, Morgan is wrapped up in bed watching a couple of trained cockroaches (laughs) crawl all over the walls until he springs up and shoots them with dart guns, hitting both of them. Morgan is riding down the driveway on his bike. Stuart, his dad, uh, pulls in from the night shift as a taxi driver. Okay, I have two questions. Mm -hmm. One, maybe I don't understand how caps work, <laughs> but based on the show Taxi, I assume that the taxi gets returned to some big like hub or holding facility and the driver doesn't get to drive the taxi home mm-hmm. unless maybe he owns it independently. Help? Okay. I don't understand. Well, it costs so much money to own your own cab and it's not just because of the actual automobile, the actual cab per se, but it's because of the medallion that you need in order to operate mm-hmm. as a cab driver. So there's no way that an out-of-work real estate agent who just moved across the country would be able to afford like a $40,000 medallion. I mean, this is something that like multiple people will go in on together to get. Okay. And then they'll share That's one. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, unless he's a gypsy, but that was an actual legit taxi. I was going to yeah. say if he's a gypsy cab driver, that would be different, but. Yeah. Okay. I, I have no idea how you know that, but that's very informative. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> I was wondering that. Um, yeah. Okay. Question two, Shannon. Okay. You know how sometimes you can tell that they wanted another actor for a role, but they couldn't get that person. Mm-hmm. So they just cast whoever is closest. Like in The Dreamers, it was so obvious that they originally wanted Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, but they got Michael Pitt. <laughs> Do you think they actually wanted Harry Dean Stanton for this part? Oh, yes. Obviously. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> this poor man just does not have the charisma to pull off the weather-beaten, downtrodden look. He, he just looks like he spends every night sleeping in a dumpster. Yeah. It's not, there's no charisma. It's not like, it's not endearing. Yeah. 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 When I first saw him, I was like, oh, they wanted Harry Mm -hmm. Dean Stan. (laughs) And they got this guy. (laughs) All right. Well, Morgan is off to his first day at a new school. And wow, the establishing shot montage of this high school might be the best I've ever seen. It's just like shot after shot of teens in the most 80s clothes, multiple teens with boom boxes and portable stereos, high fives, break dancing, <laughs> lockers opening and closing, shot from all different angles. Like, this is art. Yeah. <laughs> this is truly art. It's eye candy for sure. And it's not the 80s clothes that we've talked about before where it's, it's like super costumey. It's mm-hmm. what you would totally have seen at a high school in 1985, especially in California. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if they just did um, kind of for uh, like an open extras call? and background action. Yeah. Yes. Like local casting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's great though. Mm-hmm. It really... It really sets you up for like 80s high school. Uh, in the parking lot, the gang that we saw from the mugging last night is talking about how they can find the guy on the bike and get their revenge. Nick, the quote, <laughs> high school gang leader, is straight up 37 with a five o'clock shadow. Yep. Uh, 
my husband walked into the room and saw it and I was like, oh, that's that's Frankie's uh, boyfriend, high school boyfriend. And he was like, that dude's in high school. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> Frankie is in another freaking awesome outfit. It's a, a sleeveless red and black striped button down blouse, skin tight black pants and black high heels. Mm-hmm. And then plus just like all the belts and accessories and hair and makeup. Mm-hmm. She looks badass. Yeah. It's great. Just then, Morgan rides up and gets crap from the security guard for riding on campus. Uh, Morgan's basic uniform throughout this movie is a leather, a brown leather aviator jacket with the collar popped, jeans, white high tops, and then with just various shirts underneath. Um, it's a really good classic mm-hmm. look. Uh, oh, plus the most beautiful flaxen feathered hair <laughs> you ever did see on uh, a fella. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, This is also the first time that we really hear James Spader speak at any length in this movie. And it's fun to know that even though this was his first starring role, he already has like the Spader swagger down. For sure. (laughs) This movie is basically Robert California's origin story. (laughs) (laughs) What's fun to think is uh, to do these movies chronologically. So to think like first this movie and then he his dad gets back on his feet and gets rich and then he becomes Steph and pretty and pink. And then he becomes Robert California. (laughs) (laughs) The rise and fall of Robert California. Yeah, exactly. Um, The parking lot gang spots Morgan parking his bike. And it very, very slowly dawns on all of them (laughs) that he's the guy from the night before. Not smart. They're not smart. Nope. No. It takes them forever to be like, oh, (laughs) that's him. All right. Well, now we're in the school office. Uh, Morgan is wearing his sunglasses indoors and reading a book like a real performative prick. (laughs) We get introduced to Robert Downey, a.k.a. Jimmy, who is approached by a girl with feather earrings and hair teased all the way up to Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) The biggest hair. He motions to Morgan and asks, what's up with the new kid? Teased hair girl tells him Morgan's, quote, ass is grass, presumably because he messed with Nick. Jimmy asks to borrow her pocket knife. She pulls it out of her bra and gives it to him. It's kind of hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we also find out that Jimmy is a drummer. You want to guess how we learned that? You want to know? Uh, because he's carrying effing drumsticks. Yeah. We addressed this in our other podcast, My So Pod Life, when Shannon Leto had to have drumsticks in his, in his hands whenever he was on camera. Um, I'm married to a drummer who I dated in high school, and I can say with all authority... No, no, <laughs> no, doesn't happen. <laughs> no, it's just one more thing to have in your hands. Why would you do this? No. All right, moving on. Morgan meets with the principal who promptly tells him to take off his sunglasses. Obviously, mm-hmm. he tells Morgan that he knows he's smart and that he came from a prep school, but also that he got into some trouble and that his shenanigans and tomfoolery will not be tolerated here. And then he delivers this warning. You see. I have a lot of trouble dealing with the real losers here at Lawson. I don't want to waste a lot of energy with a good imitation. Yes, sir. Which I actually think is a good point. Like the principal's like, I have actual bad kids here. So stop with your prep school nonsense. Mm -hmm. I don't have time for it. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, in class, Morgan and his definitely woman sweater, but it looks great (laughs) on him. So whatever. (laughs) Watching a film strip about strife in the Wild West. Get it? Like, like turf warfare and vigilante justice and duels. Get it? I do. Okay. Jimmy, who is sitting behind Morgan, takes out a pocket knife and opens it right next to Morgan's head, causing him to jump. 
Jimmy apologizes and says he doesn't know how to close it because it's his first time <laughs> using it, which is endearing. Mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. is so RDJ in this movie, and he didn't even know it yet. Right. Yeah, he's so charming. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy tells Morgan to take the knife for protection because news has spread around the school about his run-in with Nick. After class, Jimmy and Morgan are outside. Jimmy invites Morgan to come watch his band tonight. Morgan says yes, and then, oh, crap, he looks over to the parking lot where he sees all the gang dudes doing donuts in their cars, and in the center donut hole are Nick and Frankie riding around on, hold on to your butts, Morgan Spike, it's Morgan Spike. It, it is so friggin' on. Okay, so Morgan charges down the stairs with Jimmy following after trying to stop him. The gangsters wave at Morgan and taunt him until one of the cars breaks away and heads right toward him in a game of chicken until he jumps out of the way at the last second. As Morgan approaches, the other car pulls up and one of the guys sprays red spray paint all over Morgan's face. Mm. And like, he barely reacts, but I would probably be coughing and gagging and crying if I got sprayed (laughs) directly in the face of spray paint. You would taste that for weeks Yeah, and you would wear it for weeks, by the way, because... After Mm -hmm. this, we never see that he has red spray paint on his face, but he totally would for like weeks. Oh, just, yeah, just all in your eyebrows and your hair. (laughs) Yeah. By this time, a crowd of students has gathered and started laughing at Morgan. Nick enlists the help of the crowd. Should I give his bike back? So should I give his bike back? And the crowd is not helpful. (laughs) Nick lays the bike down on the ground. Frankie is laughing at Morgan, but when he catches her eye and looks wounded, she stops laughing. Morgan picks up his bike just as the driver that played chicken with him earlier starts to rev his engine. He heads straight for Morgan, but this time Morgan holds onto his bike and stands his ground. The car clips the bike, sending it flying into the air and destroying the rims. And ripping off both of Morgan's arms. Just kidding. (laughs) But that's actually what would have really happened. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so true. Uh, Morgan, looking more angry than defeated, hoists his bike over his shoulder and walks away. Back in his bedroom, Morgan is attempting to fix his bike when his parents come in. Hey, 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 what's going on? That's what I'm trying to find out. It seems that we had a little accident with Morgan's bike. Oh, boy. Can you fix it? Yeah, as soon as I learn how to walk on water, I'll get right on it. Don't you take that tone of voice with your father, young man. That bike cost $500. Oh, shit. Morgan. (laughs) Morgan. Morgan. This made me so curious to know what it was like to have James Spader as an actual teenager. Like, how much is he like this in real life? It would be terrifying. (laughs) As soon as I learn to walk on water. Can you imagine if your, like, 16-year-old said that to you? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Or if if it was like, this bike was expensive. He's like, yeah, no shit. I'd be like, um, what now? (laughs) terrifying i would not want to want to have to go up against james Spader at any age so (laughs) all right but everyone shut up oh my gosh (laughs) remember when jimmy invited us to watch his band play tonight well now we're in a crowded warehouse watching a david bowie lookalike in leather pants who is singing this song it's too late to fall in love with sharing Dance in the 
Oh my gosh. Okay, so this band is the Jim Carroll band. The lead singer, Jim Carroll, went on to write The Basketball Diaries, speaking of movie starring Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. So good. Oh my gosh, so yeah. good. Um, and I need to interject here about this band slash singer slash song. First of all, the song is just so good. And you can actually mm-hmm. find this one and some of his others on Spotify under the Jim Carroll band. Um, the Basketball Diaries was a memoir about his actual life. He was friends with oh. Patti Smith and Robert Mablethorpe. He was a poet. Ugh, Jeez. I know. He died in 09, but um, I'm so glad to find out about his music now. It's better late than never, I guess. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yes. Um, I love this song. And the next mm-hmm. one, and then the one that plays later when the mm-hmm. gang is driving around. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, but let's also talk about how uh, our DJ fits into this band as the quote drummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they kind of just they just shoehorned him into this like already established band. Yeah. And he looks so much younger uh-huh. than the rest of the band members. Um, <laughs> I did consult my husband, who, as I mentioned, was a drummer, because in some shots, it actually kind of looks like RDJ knows what he's doing behind the drum yeah. kit. Um, so Josh said that it looks like he learned a couple actual drumming signatures, like time signatures, mm. or whatever, because he's playing more accurately than a typical actor pretending to drum. Mm. So it looks like somebody taught him kind of basic like snare and hi-hat okay. stuff so that he could like fake it better. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, so many things about this scene. Okay. <laughs> First off, usually when someone in high school asks you to come hear their band play, the band absolutely uh-huh. sucks. So this is refreshingly good given the circumstances. Like this is, I, I would be shocked if I showed up and my high school friend was in this band. Yeah. I'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like drop out now and just keep doing this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Second, Robert Downey looks hot playing the drums. He is shirtless. He's wearing bondage pants and eyeliner. Mm -hmm. It's like a great look for him. Third, the crowd shots in this scene Mm -hmm. are (laughs) magic. (laughs) See our visuals at So Five Minutes Ago Pod on Instagram because there will be multiple clips of this crowd. Everyone is dancing to an exhausting degree. These poor background actors are just giving like 560% energy. It's insane. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Now is probably a good time to describe this movie as a hybrid of West Side Story, The Warriors, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, and Footloose. It's all of them. And the... And the Karate Kid. I was describing the plot of this movie to Josh, and he was like, so the Karate Kid without karate? And I was like, yeah, basically. (laughs) Like, he moves to Reseda and gets bullied? Yeah. Yeah, new kid in town. (laughs) It's all of it. It's it's the, like, two sides of of the the community and the moving, the new kid in town and all of it. Yeah, there's a bike involved. Yeah, choreography. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, Outside the warehouse, a bikeless Morgan is trying to hitchhike his way to the show. When he spots a Porsche parked with the keys left in the ignition as if. Oh, my gosh. Back at the warehouse, Frankie arrives with her two friends, a teased hair girl and then another girl named Ronnie, who has a major crush on Jimmy. The band takes a break. Jimmy trips over his drums as he leaves (laughs) the stage to walk toward a group of fangirls in the audience. But then he sees that they're actually interested in the lead singer and not him. And then there's this super oddball transition to the next scene via a screen wipe that looks like vertical blinds being opened. I don't know. It's so strange because this doesn't happen anywhere else in the movie. I know. I almost feel like somebody was like, you know what we should do? You know what we need to use is this new thing that just came out. And they just Uh stuck it in there. (laughs) And they're like, it works here, whatever. 
Um, we see that Morgan has shown up just in time for the band to go back on stage. And now, oh my gosh, <laughs> we arrive at a scene that I've entitled Conspiriography, <laughs> in which Morgan spots Frankie in the crowd, grabs her, and aggressively tries to dance with her. And she keeps trying to get away, but the crowd uh, conspires against her by doing choreographed dance that traps her mm -hmm. and pushes her back into Morgan's arms. Yeah, It's crazy. The whole scene is set to this song. Uh, this is my favorite song in the movie. And I'm so sad because the only version that I could find online was a live performance mm -hmm. on YouTube that doesn't sound as good as this version. Yeah, and I that song like, is so oh, good. Yeah. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can buy a CD somewhere. No, that doesn't That's exist. What it, I know, right? Or I'm like, was this ever, was this made into an actual soundtrack? Do we know? I tried, like the soundtrack I tried to look it up and the only things I could find were stuff that people had cobbled together. Right. I couldn't find right. an actual, like legit soundtrack. Oh, such a crime. I know. Such a crime that the song does not exist. It's so good. Um, I mean, I don't like this scene for a number of reasons, uh, chiefly that it goes on forever and ever. Yeah, it <laughs> it's does. so long. Uh, but also Frankie is constantly like saying no yeah. and to leave her alone and trying to get away and is really struggling to get away from Morgan only to be forced back into his arms. Yeah. And I know that we're supposed to be rooting for golden boy Morgan here, but the scene, uh, it stressed yeah. me out basically. And like respect boundaries, my dude. A hundred percent agree. I love the character of Morgan. He's so dark and cool and mysterious, but I hate that they made him so romantically aggressive. Like this is a real, yes. no means only if I can't change your mind situation. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like throughout the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, it's also so weird to see James Spader dance, <laughs> like ballroom dance to this music. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, he's not exactly cut out for dancing or yeah. singing. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> All right. At this point, Nick and his cronies have shown up uh, and they spot Morgan assault dancing with Frankie. <laughs> Nick orders his buddies to go stop him, but conspiriography strikes again, and it makes it super hard for them to reach him. When they finally do, Morgan grabs one of the guys and dances with him, which allows Frankie to break away and run over to Nick, who orders her to go home. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nick seems like a fun, casual guy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe read the room, too. Like, not her fault. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's... Awful. Anyway, uh, Morgan follows Frankie outside the club, but it's too late. She's already gone. And then, of course, Nick and his friends are outside and they beat the crap out of Morgan and warn him never to go near Frankie again. They take his keys and as they speed off in the car, Jimmy comes outside to see Morgan lying in the dirt and smiling because... God, I can't believe they took your car. I don't own a car, man. Oh, <laughs> and then the three joyriding gangsters who are speeding around in the stolen Porsche get pulled over by the cops. Tough turf justice. <laughs> the next day at school, Frankie intercepts Morgan at his locker and tells him his ass is, in fact, grass as soon as Nick gets out of jail. Morgan opens his locker to find a dead rodent strung up and dripping blood all over his books. Gross. 
Also, you're going to want to come back and bleach your whole entire locker, <laughs> yeah. Morgan, because that's going to start to smell in a couple Ugh. hours. Uh, but instead, Morgan uses his trusty pocket knife and he cuts down uh, the rodent, just like throws it <laughs> on top of the lockers and slams his locker shut. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. forever, the sound and the fury, because all of his yeah. books are ruined. <laughs> Just throw them away, burn yeah. them. It's bad. Later at Morgan's house, his mom is lunching on the lanai with some doof in a pastel shirt and tie and a sweater draped over his shoulders. They're talking about Connecticut life, and this doof is Morgan's brother, Brian. Morgan comes out and asks if he can borrow Brian's car tonight. When Big Bry says no, Morgan gets pissed and storms off. His brother and his mom stand up to go after him, but then Brian puts his hand up in front of his mom's face and tells her to sit down. He'll go handle it. A move that would have gotten my whole arm ripped off if I ever ever tried to pull that crap with my own mom. What? It's funny because it's true. Oh, my gosh. Moms don't put up with that stuff in real life. No. Could you imagine? Uh, Well, Brian catches up with Morgan and they have this exchange. Morgan, will you just cool out? Give Mom a break? Just as soon as she gives me one. She already has. And look what you've done with it. What do you mean by that, Brian? I mean, you cause trouble wherever you go. The mother and dad have spent a fortune in trying to keep you in decent schools, and all you can do is screw up. Brian, I'm real sorry. But you know, I never wanted to go to any of those goddamn schools in the first place. Ah. Oh. Mm mother and dad (laughs) well morgan is being all emo pouting at the bus stop when a car screeches uh to a stop crap it's nick's crap colored car it's brown uh that tried to run him down at school a couple days ago morgan runs down an alley turning over trash cans and crates but the car chases him when he meets a dead end he runs up over the car's hood to a chain link fence topped with barbed or barbed wire Oh no, but then his prep school loafers keep slipping (laughs) and he can't climb the fence. Morgan slips and falls to the ground just as the car stops inches away from him. The driver gets out and it's Jimmy. Uh, I know. (laughs) Apparently Nick's brother called Jimmy's bro to go pick up the car, but his brother wasn't home. So Jimmy went and got it. Also, how did Jimmy get the keys? (laughs) Also, why did Jimmy make Morgan run for his life just now? I thought they were friends. Yeah, this (laughs) seems so convoluted and weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> like okay how do we get them to have nick's car uh-huh. just like what i don't know but morgan is all oh you and he takes the keys and they drive off into an la montage mm. uh also i love jimmy's shirt here it's a graphic tee featuring a bunch of like tubes and electrical components oh, yeah. from like a circuit board or something i don't know i would wear mm. it it's all in neon colors it's great all right, well, meanwhile, at a burger stand, Frankie, Ronnie, and Teased Hair Girl, I think this is the last time we see her, so I never bothered to learn her <laughs> name, but whatever, they're eating. Uh, they're speculating that Frankie might have a crush on Morgan. Frankie is all pissy and tells Ronnie, it's time to go. Ronnie says that she hasn't finished eating yet, so Frankie <sighs> smashes Ronnie's burger no. in her no, face. absolutely not. Public announcement to anyone who knows me, if you ever do this to me, this is grounds for murder. (laughs) If I was Ronnie, Frankie would have found herself thrown face first through a plate glass window. This is absolutely not. No. Do not mess with our food. Uh, Also, this reminds me of a band that used to be on the label that I work for. They had this, quote, game called Sandwich Punch, and it's exactly Mm -hmm. what you think it is. If you left your burger or sandwich or chips or drink unattended for even a second 
you risked having it smashed to smithereens. Um, no. Yeah, and or knocked just to the ground. Um, like in the case of a milkshake, they would just whack it off the table and it would just spill all over the ground. So it's funny in theory when they would tell stories of it. It was always funny, but it did almost cause a few fist fights, And I totally get that. Imagine spending yeah, especially... like $16 on lunch to have it yeah. completely smashed. Or especially if you're like a band, which any, you know, any typical band isn't like making you too money no. where they can just have right. food be wasted. Like if you're a band that's touring mm-hmm. in like a bus or a van or whatever, and you're just like, oh, I just got to stop and get this food and someone smashes yeah. it. I, yeah. I'd be murdering you get people. Like a, what are you, you talking get like a about? You get $5 per diem and you have to stretch that out into three meals. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, absolutely not. That's a, that's a bad game. Yeah, it is. Pick something else, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ronnie does not choose violence, so she chases after Frankie. Just then, the boys are driving by in Nick's car and they spot the girls. Hey, 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 forget it, man. She's bad news. Come on. I just want to hey, talk to her, Nick, man. she belongs to Nick. Come on, Jimmy. Lincoln freed the slaves. Hey, what? <laughs> what does that mean? The Lincoln freed the slaves part. What does that know. mean? You don't know? I mean, I mean, I think he's alluding to the fact that she's Nick's slave, that she can't do anything without Nick. I don't know. It was okay. so weird, though. Okay. I, yeah, I thought for sure you were going to be like, oh, it's this. No, <laughs> so, no okay. it was, I, I, I have a feeling that they were like, hey, while you're, while you're riding around in the car here and making this U-turn, just banter. Just, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a weird ad lib if it is, yeah. but either way, I was, I didn't get it. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> listeners, if you know, write us and tell us <laughs> what that comment meant. Frankie sees the car and thinks that it's Nick fresh out of jail. Uh, Morgan makes Jimmy jump in the back seat. When Frankie runs up, she's disappointed to see that it's not Nick. Ronnie, however, is thrilled to see Jimmy in the back seat and happily jumps in the back and starts smashing her smashed burger (laughs) face all over Jimmy. Uh, Then we get some more driving around LA montage to this song. What do you do when opposites attract? What do you do when opposites attract? What do you do when opposites attract? What do you do? Awesome. I also really like this song. So naturally, I checked Spotify to see if it was streaming. It is not. But I did find Aww. out that the woman who performs the song, um, I think you would pronounce her name Lenny Lovich or Lenny mm-hmm. Lovich, um, is one of the coolest people I've ever read about. She was a go-go dancer. She was friends with Salvador Dali. Um, wow. She was the first one to record and release I Think We're Alone Now, the oh. Tiffany cover. Um, yeah. She was basically Adamant before Adamant. So go check her out. Her look alone is worth the price of admission. Um, L-E-N-E-L-O-V-I-C-H. Yes, uh, it absolutely is, because I I Googled her after I read that in your notes, and I was like, wow, she's mm-hmm. she was awesome. <laughs> super interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, Morgan just wants to talk, and Frankie tells him that he has no chance and just wants to get out of the car. They drive around, and they wind up in Beverly Hills, driving through palm-lined, uh, palm-tree-lined streets, scoping out all the mansions. They drive by a country club and Morgan gets an idea. Since he's a rich prep school Connecticut boy, he knows that every Friday at country clubs across the nation, it's Junior's (laughs) night and they're going to sneak in and hit the buffet. 
Morgan is already in his preppy collared shirt and jeans and loafers, but he gives the rest of the gang a quick kind of like half-assed upper crust makeover. So Jimmy buttons up his shirt. Ronnie belts a blouse over her clothes and is instructed to pretend that, uh, that she just got back from Europe. And Frankie dons Morgan's oversized sweater, but still has on a flouncy miniskirt, mini fingerless lace gloves, and all the accessories. Yeah, this makeover is very ratchet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As they roll up into the club for privileged teens, they're about to get caught, but Morgan puts on his best James Spader voice. Young man, young man. I need to see your uh, membership card, please. Oh, God, Reynolds, I'm glad it's you. I feel such the fool. You know, I left it down in my locker with my tennis rag. Still stuck with a racket. I'm sure Patty and Alan will vouch for us. Love your suit. Ah, so good. (laughs) We see a bunch of rich teens trying to dance on the dance floor. It's just like a sea of pastel. Mm -hmm. What follows is a delightful montage of our gang attempting to fit in with the 1%. Jimmy is just eating everything. Ronnie has corralled some girls and is talking dongs. <laughs> <laughs> and Morgan is still James Spadering all over the place. Of course, the finger sandwiches, you know, you can never go wrong with them. I figure, you know, if I'm having a party, small party, 25, 30 people, you know, you get the watercress, slice the purple onion very thin, touch of butter, cut the crust off the bread, you know, and you got it made. <laughs> Uh, the gang is loading up at the buffet, shoving food into their pockets and purses, most of which consists of seafood and fresh cut up watermelon. <laughs> Ew! No way. Uh, the country club manager who uh, tried to bust them coming in pulls an entire baguette out of Jimmy's pants. <laughs> Not a euphemism. And then he puts uh. it back on the communal table. I know. Ew. <laughs> well... The band decides to take a break. (laughs) Morgan runs up on stage and sits Frankie on top of the piano and proceeds to sit down and play the piano. And then, Shannon, this happens to us. I feel your face. I hear your eyes. I know the nights that you cry, but still... We Did he just say, I feel your face, I hear your eyes? Yeah, he did. Does he also sing this at Frankie's face with creepy, intense, unbreaking eye contact? Yeah, he does. What is happening? (laughs) You want to hear some more? Yes, please. literally does not blink while he sings that clip i filmed it i sent it to shannon there is no blinking uh Uh, p.s this is not james spader singing it's a man named paul carney oh yeah uh, who is art carney from the honeymooners son 
And oh. remember when I said earlier Spader isn't good at singing? What I meant to say is that he isn't good at lip syncing. Like, at all. Way too intense. <laughs> if you watch the scene without volume, <laughs> it looks like he's screaming at her. It does. <laughs> it, does. Uh. it totally does. Oh, my gosh. Well... Uh, somehow this complete panty dryer works on Frankie <laughs> and she's all won over in smiles by the time the song is over. I don't know how, mm-hmm. um, but the country club manager is not and he kicks them out. Mm-hmm. And I kick out no. the song from the almost perfect soundtrack of this movie. Yeah, this song is boo-boo. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, even though it was full daylight outside a second ago, it's now dark and Morgan and Frankie are walking by a fountain. They do, as it turns out, walk the night, (laughs) apparently. Uh, Jimmy and Ronnie are nowhere to be seen, so I guess they got left behind at the country club to fend for themselves. I don't know. At least they have a purse full of crab legs to eat, so there's that. (laughs) I don't know. This scene is kind of a snoozer, so I'll just give you the highlights. Uh, Frankie asks Morgan what he meant when he sang that song, and she's asking on behalf of all of us, because (laughs) how do you hear eyes? Anyway, I... um, she asks if he really was rich before they moved there or moved here, or was that just a rumor? He says yes, but then his father lost his business. Uh, are they going to college? Him? No. Her? She'll be lucky if she even graduates. Her plan is to get married. What about her parents? My mom died of cancer last year. Sorry. So, do you like dancing? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I have um, conversation whiplash. Yeah, and no, also you told me the you're... reprised uh, I Walk the Night in the background there, too. Yeah, yeah. Also, you just told me your mom died of cancer. I'm not really in a dancing mood. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. And the whiplash is not about to get any better because what happens right now is about to be so insane. Uh, Morgan and Frankie take off and go to a nightclub and Shannon mm. unfurl the glory for us. Well, uh, take it, Charlie Day. Ladies and gentlemen, fasten your seatbelts and hold on to your bobby socks. The Club 60s is proud to present the toughest band on the turf or in the surf. Those soul generators, those rock invaders, Jack Mac and the Heart Attack. Wow. Yeah. Just just hearing that clip without seeing the MC, that is 100% Charlie yeah. Day. <laughs> so good. I couldn't believe it. Okay, so uh, when I said earlier that this movie was part girls just want to have fun, this is the scene I was talking about coming up here. Uh, Frankie just goes bananas, just dancing full out on the tables, doing flips and spins and some very technical footwork. I'm assuming that this is a dance double because there's a lot of face camouflaging happening here, but mostly I think it's a double because of the bonkers wig (laughs) on this woman. Shannon, I am so glad that you brought up this wig. This wig is offensive, and I could not wait to discuss it with you. Yes, yes. Okay, well, props to costuming for even coming close to Kim Richards' real hair in wig form, since it's like 40 inches long and crimped for the gods. I'm sure this wig was the best they could do, and it's okay. Nope, no, no, it's not. (laughs) 
But it also looks like a Muppet reject. Like, if you worked at Muppets uh-huh. Inc. and there was a pile of puppets in the corner that no one wanted to work with, that is this wig. <laughs> yeah, or it, lo- it looks like it's made of yeah. yarn. And not even, like, regular yarn, but whimsical, kooky yarn. Yeah. Like, the type that you'd pick up in the yarn aisle at Joanne's and think, like, what could I even make with this? Yeah. A bad wig for an 80s movie dance double, that's yeah. what. And you're going to need about 27 skeins <laughs> to get the job done. Yes. <laughs> so much. Oh, my gosh. Well, aside from the wig, the scene is uh, over three minutes long, but it is honestly a joy to watch. At the end of the scene, mm-hmm. Frankie does a cartwheel into a front handspring and lands in Morgan's arms. And that's not an exaggeration. That is actually literally what happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty thrilling dance scene. Um, then Jack, Mac, and the heart attack cool things down with a rendition of Green Onion, you know, the Booker T song, and Morgan and Frankie find a corner of the nightclub to go and suck face. Later, we join Frankie and Nick mid-argument about why she was at the club with Morgan. He shakes her by the shoulders, and she tells him to never touch her like that again, which I kind of feel like this happens all the time. This is not a new thing. So right. This is probably just a cycle for her. Nick apologizes and tries to kiss her, but she can't stand to look at him. He picks her up and tosses her onto the bed. And we get this. Now what's the matter? Don't be so rough. So you liked it rough. Look, we don't do it until I say it's okay. Remember? And now it's not okay. Right? Okay. (laughs) Not now. What are you doing? Uh, Well, she gives up fighting him, but the look on her face says she's being raped. Yeah, I did not like this scene Mm -hmm. (laughs) because she doesn't say no, but she doesn't say yes. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of like concedes to avoid a fight and it sucks um yeah it's it's just hard to watch uh and then also nick's friends are waiting outside for him the whole time this is happening and then you realize that nick never goes anywhere without his two Mm -hmm. friends and i bet nick and frankie have never had a date with just the two of them (laughs) ever no there's no dating it's all just riding around in the car looking for a place to have sex that's that's how it feels yeah Ugh. Uh, Well, cut to the school locker room and some naked shower butts. And oh, by the way, this shower is so full of water. They're all just standing in four inches of human filth. This is a recipe for a staph infection. It's gross. (laughs) So gross. Um, Somebody just clear the drain. Just get the hair out of the drain. Someone is listening to music on a boombox while everyone, including Morgan, is toweling off and getting dressed. Suddenly, the music stops and Morgan realizes the locker room is is completely empty. And when I compared this movie to The Warriors earlier, this is the scene I was thinking of. So mm-hmm. Nick and his two cronies have wrapped a set of keys and a padlock in towels and they're swinging them around threateningly. Morgan tries to evade them, but he's trapped, so he grabs a tennis racket, swings hard, and misses, which gives uh, the Nick crew the chance they need to knock him down and beat the holy hell out of him with their prison-style lock in a sock. This is a brutal scene. I actually cringed while I was watching it, which is major for an 80s teen movie. 
They're usually yeah. so docile and benign that any kind of violence is pretty affected, but this was hard to watch. It's very hard to watch, and it looks real, because, mm-hmm. like, Morgan's back gets progressively more bruised and marked up the more they beat him. It's it's effective, and it's terrible. Yeah, it is awful. And Morgan tries to get away while they are beating him, but he can't... Uh, they beat him until he can't stand. And then Nick delivers the final elbow to the face as a reminder to not mess with his, quote, property. Mm, he better re- be referring to his car when he says property. <laughs> Or I have a lock sock with his name on it. <laughs> Same. Back at the Hiller home, Stuart and Paige are talking about California real estate law and wondering where Morgan is. Stuart finds him in his room, shirtless and covered in bruises and bandages from the fight. Morgan says he screwed up. He's sorry. He's just not like his brother. He can't live like that. Stuart earns the Father of the Year award with this speech. All right, knock it off. Just, just cut out that self-pitying crap. I don't want you to be Brian. I want you to be you. All right, so you screwed up. So what? I expect you to make mistakes. That's what life's all about, for God's sakes. How else are you going to learn who you are and what you believe in? Yeah, but then he really peters out with this bizarre philosophy. Look, son, life isn't a, a problem to be solved. It's a mystery to be lived. So live it. What? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And again, Stuart just looks like he's wearing a wet wig and some clothes he found in the back of his taxi. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really wanted to give this guy a break, but his hair is terrible. terrible. It looks like he's wearing a wig that's off by a quarter turn. <laughs> like I constantly want to adjust his hair. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I, and I don't even think it's costume. I, I think it's just him. I, I think it's his hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please include a picture in the visuals. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. All right. Next, we see Frankie at her makeup table surrounded by magazine articles offering all-American girl makeup tips. She's frosting her lips pink and using an eye pencil on her lashes. Is yeah, this a what? thing? mascara has been around since the 20s so why would you use an eye pencil to color your lashes there will be a a gif in case you think I didn't see what I know I saw so uh, let me know if you've ever done this but I am doubtful yeah and then she also already has mascara on her Uh eyelashes when she does this so I I have no idea I'm also not well versed in makeup so maybe this is a thing help us (laughs) listeners I don't know yeah I don't know So with this softer new makeup look, Frankie looks like the quintessential 80s California girl, which is still really cute on her. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, for sure. This once in future real housewife of Beverly Hills just can't look bad. She rummages through her clothes to find something less punk and settles on an adorable outfit consisting of a white oversized raw edge shirt under like a black suspender dress with a tiered skirt. Mm -hmm. Super cute. Apparently, Morgan's first step to, quote, living his mystery is to go sit outside Frankie's house, listen to tribal music, and write poetry or some shit. He walks the night. (laughs) Uh, I guess he does. Well, Frankie yells from her window for him to go away, and guess if Morgan listens to her? Oh, definitely not. He climbs up the fire escape to her window, and she's shocked to see how battered his face is. 
He says they're wounds of love. Blah. And she tells him to leave, but all he wants is a chance to be with her. Yeah. Also, this whole fire escape scene uh, was the part that made me wonder if portions of this movie were inspired by slash a direct ripoff of West Side Story. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, less jets and sharks and more jarts and sharts. (laughs) (laughs) Nick is the sharts. Okay, Nick has arrived now at Frankie's house and is pounding on her bedroom door while Morgan climbs out the window, convincing Frankie to come to his house for dinner tomorrow night. Nick comes swaggering into the room, shoving a Twinkie in his mouth, followed by Frankie's dad, who has a bottle of champagne. He says they need to celebrate that Nick asked him for Frankie's hand in marriage, and dad said yes. So, I guess 17th century Italy, because just like that, Frankie and Nick are engaged. Nick pops the cork, Frankie hugs her dad, and looks deeply regretful. Yeah, I do not understand. Like, she has no say in this. Like, I think her her dad just, like, wants to get her married off so that he cannot worry about her anymore. So that's, yeah, that's true. Very uh, unsettling. At school, Robert Downey Jimmy surprises Morgan with a new bike (laughs) to replace the one Nick mangled. But the bike also has another purpose. Consolation prize. Consolation? Consolation for what? <laughs> I love this guy. Good attitude, man. Oh, they're not going to get married till after graduation anyway, right? Check it out. What are you talking about? Nick's marrying Frankie. Isn't that what we're talking about? Can't believe it. Where are you going? Morgan! Mm. Morgan rides across campus to find Frankie and her friends at her locker talking about engagement rings. He thought she was coming for dinner, and she says she makes her own choices, so yeah, she'll be there. One of Nick's cronies sees them talking and schemes, very obviously, in the wide-open schoolyard. (laughs) A night or so later at the Hiller home, Paige and Stuart are cooking dinner and goofing on the girls that Morgan has brought home in the past. (laughs) Stuart says, this time's different, though. Morgan's really trying. The doorbell rings, and it's Frankie looking like the girl next door in a blue cotton dress and pearls. Yeah, she looks cute. Mm-hmm. I, I love this dress. Um, the hair is a downgrade from her crimped cascade. Yeah. But the more subtle makeup is an upgrade, if not like a lateral still good move from her punk makeup. Mm-hmm. She looks she looks great. Yeah, she can do all kinds of looks. She's got a really like classic face structure, I think. Yeah, yeah. At the dinner table, uh, she dives into what I think are crab cakes with just absolute abandon. It's so cute. Um, But then Paige does this totally cringe thing where she very overtly uses her fork to take tiny bites of her food really daintily, all while making eye contact with Frankie as if to say, like, this is how a lady should eat. (laughs) Uh, She completely embarrasses Frankie, who does her best to mimic Paige's behavior. Um, I feel this scene viscerally because I dated a boy in high school whose family had nightly dinners at the table with manners, and I was invited to stay one time, and it it was like a lot of pardon my reach and terribly awkward small talk, and all I wanted to do was forget about it, but now the memory's been dragged into the light of day again by this movie. That sounds exhausting to eat It was. It was. So much pomp and circumstance, and she's like, can we just eat the food? Yeah. Yeah, and it was, I think I barely ate anything because it was so quiet. Because <laughs> like you were terrified. You each other chewing. 
Oh my god! I don't know if it was because I was there or it was awful. I never ever said yes to staying for dinner again. It was terrible. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Well, Paige proceeds to build Morgan up at the dinner table, only to cut him down in front of Frankie by saying that he was a good yachtsman if only he would have put a little heart into it. Shut up, Paige. <laughs> Nick has somehow found the Hiller home now and is spying on Frankie through the window, and she continues to be utterly decimated by Paige. Well, then you must have been to the Huntington Gardens, have you? Oh, hey, the roses are absolutely fabulous. I don't think that Frankie goes for things like that very much. She spends most of her spare time reading. Since you've never been there either, maybe we should go together one of these days. You'll bring your mother along, we'll make a day of it. I mean, if she likes roses, does she? Oh boy. Paige tries to apologize um, as Frankie storms out, hurt because her mother is dead, obviously. But um, I'm on, I'm on Paige's side here yeah. because like Frankie storms out as if Paige did this on purpose and Paige is totally like I had no idea I'm so sorry like she apologizes to Morgan yeah and everyone acts like she did it on purpose and I'm like she didn't know right that's true I I was kind of waiting for Morgan to be like mom no her mom her mom is dead you know what I mean like kind of trying to like stand up for her a little bit but it uh, even though she I know she doesn't do it on purpose it's it's still just like just stop just it's one of those things where if it was you you'd be like why can't i just close my mouth why do i yeah (laughs) i just keep digging the hole like just shut up shut up shannon stop talking (laughs) because she just keeps making it worse and worse so yeah that's true poor frankie well um frankie uh storms out and morgan follows her and then she tells morgan that she promised ronnie that she'd meet her at woolworth's to look at wedding rings lol (laughs) (laughs) she walks off in one direction and morgan walks off in the other across the street nick seethes can we take him out now no he's later I gotta go see my girlfriend now. The drums of vengeance. Good seething music. And also that line read. I gotta go see my girlfriend now. Yeah. So weird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Nick the giant baby pulls up on Frankie and instinctively knows that she's missing her mom. He uses this knowledge to coax her into the car where he makes her kiss him and then plies her with whiskey. And can this poor girl get a break? That's exactly what I was thinking when she's just trying to walk home by herself, Uh even though that's not safe to do, unfortunately. Like, it's like, yeah, Morgan is upsetting her and then Nick rolls up on her. And it's like, can you just let her have a night to herself (laughs) to do a face mask and forget that these bozos keep harassing her? Exactly. Read a a book, take a bubble bath. Yeah. Just just give her a break. But instead, uh, Nick and his buddies start scheming on finding some trouble to get into while this freaking amazing song by the Jim Carroll band plays. Friends that died. Most of the people who died, died. 
That's the 80s punk I'm talking about. So that is good. a good song. Yeah. You, you can find that on Spotify, too. Um, under- yeah, and I actually, like, when I heard the song in the movie, I was thinking, like, why does this sound familiar? And it, it had just come up on a, um, a Spotify radio station that I made based on... Uh, like I had like a Sparks radio station oh. and it came up on there and I was like, oh, this is a pretty good song. And then I heard it in the movie and I was like, why have I heard oh, this? That's awesome. And it's, and it's so weird. Cause it just happened like two months before yeah. I saw this movie. So that's crazy. super cool. Cause I never heard it before. I never heard any of his songs before. So yeah, same. All kinds of gems that. in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, while this awesome song is playing, Nick sparks an idea uh, when he sees a taxi and then he drives around town for hours until he finds Morgan's dad's taxi parked on the side of the road and Stuart standing there reading the newspaper on the sidewalk. Nick pretends to be running out of gas and he sends Frankie out as bait to distract Stuart so the guys can jump him. Frankie doesn't realize it's Stuart until it's too late and she tries to resist, but Nick screams in her face to do it. And when mm-hmm. she does, the rest of the guys follow immediately and ambush him. Uh, and it's so sad because as soon as she realizes that Stuart, mm-hmm. Frankie tries to tell him to leave. Mm-hmm. But the toughs descend on him before he realizes what's happening. And I, I really felt for her in this moment. I know. She was really panicked. Like, yeah, she couldn't she she couldn't even get like make an actual sentence with words. She was so mm-hmm. panicked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> But uh, the kind of cool thing is that Stuart is actually a badass and totally <laughs> holds his own. And he would have totally won the fight, except Nick pulls an enormous gun out of his pants, not a euphemism, and shoots Stuart twice in the torso. Mm. Uh, in the hospital the next day, there's a lot of beeping machines and tubes up Stuart's nose. But the nurse tells Morgan not to worry. His dad is strong. And, like, yeah, he is, really, for real. Yeah, no crap. (laughs) (laughs) But Morgan's mom, on the other hand, is a mess in the waiting area uh, where Morgan tries to console her. But when Morgan's brother Brian shows up, she quickly opts for the consolation of one brother over the other and embraces Brian in a warm hug. But then Frankie appears, tear-stained and hysterically apologizing to Morgan. And now Morgan has someone to hug, too. Back in Morgan's bedroom, he's dressing a wound on Frankie's shoulder, and she's being a baby about it. And honestly, how did she even get wounded? Yeah, I wondered the same thing. I guess just like caught up in the kerfuffle. It's a kerfuffle scuff. (laughs) (laughs) A a tough kerfuffle Um, scuff. Yeah. Uh, also, Kim Richards is lit like an angel yep. throughout this entire scene. It's like light coming from behind and above yep. her, and it's beautiful. There is a literal beautiful. halo around her. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cute. Um, she's asking Morgan how he deals with life, and he says he doesn't. He just keeps exploding and wreaking havoc on people's lives, and like, at least he's pretty self-aware, because this is 1,000% accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Frankie says she thought things were supposed to be easy when you had money. Morgan says he doesn't think you can hold on to anything until you let it go, and this poetic nonsense is a complete panty soaker for Frankie. She undresses Morgan, and we get a weird close-up shot of her nipples. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then a confusing and kind of dark Fatal Attraction-style love scene. (laughs) 
that is really threatening music yeah. for this like star-crossed couple finally getting together. It's That's, really weird. I like. I feel like they'll be murdered any second. It's uh-huh. it's a really strange <laughs> yeah. choice. Um, and yeah. while they're uh, making love, we also see that Frankie's <laughs> arm is covered in Morgan's dad's blood. Yeah. Yes. And then like shots of her injured arm on his injured back mm-hmm. so that we understand that these are just two broken souls, two victims of circumstance who are <laughs> saving each other or whatever. I don't know. Um, also, this is such a weird place for this sex scene. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess they're both feeling emotionally vulnerable, but Morgan is uh, like the moment that your dad is in the hospital clinging yeah. to life an ideal time for getting it in. <laughs> Maybe this is why your parents prefer Brian. <laughs> oh, Brian Byrne. Actually, Morgan Byrne. crap like this. Yeah, yeah, it's it is weird. And I don't know, it, it, it has some like less than zero vibes to it, too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just the weird juxtaposition of like romance and love versus like the dark darkness of like murder and everything. I mean, you know, it, it works in the scope of the whole movie, but it was still right. The scene itself, if you just take the scene was really off-putting <laughs> yeah and when it started happening i was like really now yeah <laughs> like right this now so that's <laughs> yeah, weird uh, okay well let's see here where are we at here we're at frankie's dad's liquor store which i guess we're just supposed to know that he owns this liquor store we never ever heard about yeah. it before so mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh, frankie and her dad are having a heart-to-heart when nick violently ambushes them throwing her elderly and frail tiny father into a shelf which he probably didn't survive then throwing a temper tantrum about how frankie doesn't care about him grow up nick Mm-hmm. Nick makes Frankie call Morgan, and then this happens. Hello. Morgan, stay away from him. He'll kill you. I swear to God, he'll kill you, Morgan. Hey, Bebop. Hey, you, know, you listen to me. Nobody takes anything that I own. Nobody. I'll kill it first, man. You get that? You'll be at the warehouse in 20 minutes. Oh, okay. And, like, which warehouse? <laughs> right? <laughs> How is Morgan supposed to know which warehouse these derelicts hang out at? He's the new guy in town. Right. Also, Nick straight up shot a man. (laughs) Why is he not in jail? Yeah. Why isn't Morgan calling the police right now to report that this dude shot his dad? (laughs) I'm furious. But sure, yeah, let's go to the warehouse, I guess. Well, holy crap, I was so focused on the warehouse that I completely forgot he shot Morgan's dad. We've got a lot of balls <laughs> in the air here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, well, Morgan's brother comes home and tells Morgan that dad's a little better, but also to grill him about what happened. Morgan says it's nothing he can't handle, puts on his leather jacket, grabs his dart guns, and heads out on his bike. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, good plan. We now know that Nick has a very giant, very real gun. But yeah, grab dart guns. Yeah. I hate I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> he stops at Jimmy's house, but Jimmy's not there. So he leaves a message with the roommate who's watching cartoons with a couple of Dobermans. Morgan arrives at the warehouse early so that he can case the joint through the window. He counts the men and then he heads inside. Also, poor Frankie is there being held hostage by Nick and his big boy mm-hmm. gun. Yeah. Um, the, the first stop that Morgan makes is to this loft area that overlooked everything. Uh, and he takes out a guy that's hiding in the wings up there, ties his hands with rope. 
Quickly assessing the tools at his disposal, he sees a rope and pulley attached to a huge wooden billboard. He starts whistling Bebop Alula, and Nick tells the three guys that are left to go get him. As they come near, Morgan releases the billboard from the pulley, and it falls on two of the guys, knocking them out temporarily. He kicks a third guy down some stairs, and then turns his sights on Nick, who fires his gun at Morgan four times and misses every single time. Morgan swings down like Tarzan on a rope from the loft and basically beats the snot out of Nick. And just as he's about to deliver the death blow, the two billboard dudes grab him from behind. Nick grabs his gun and trains it on Morgan. But just when you think it's all over, Jimmy arrives with the two Dobermans, which he releases on the criminals. Nick shoots Jimmy in the leg and RDJ makes a classic RDJ face as he slides to the floor. <laughs> I can't even explain it. You just uh, maybe I'll give it. Uh, you just have to see it. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jimmy's down, but the dogs do most of the work anyway, running off the cronies, leaving Nick and Morgan to battle it out again. Oh, but don't worry, everyone. Morgan still has his trusty dart guns. Uh. <laughs> Useless. This time, Nick pins Morgan down and puts a knife to his throat, but Frankie has picked up the gun that got knocked out of Nick's hand, and she tells Nick she'll shoot him. Nick doesn't believe her, but pleads with her anyway, telling her she, he did everything for her. She balks, as she should, puts the gun in his face, and pulls the trigger. The gun misfires. The barrel is empty. Uh, what happened to the other two bullets, one wonders? They're uh, in Morgan's dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're right. That is what happened. Okay. Uh, well, Frankie makes a, a series of weird faces after the gun misfires that seem to be the wrong acting choice. More like she's like confused or she's taking a really difficult math test or maybe she's yeah. constipated. But nothing that would suggest that she is probably about to be murdered. Mm-hmm. Nick, indeed, slaps the gun out of her hand, grabs her by the hair, throws her to the ground, and then he knocks her out with one punch. Brutal, brutal. Mm -hmm. The sight of a lifeless Frankie gives Morgan enough strength to get up and shove Nick against a wall. Nick grabs a four by four with three huge nails sticking out of it and lunges for Morgan. He catches Morgan in the back with the flat of the wood. Morgan grabs a fire axe hanging nearby and chops Nick's weapon in half. And Nick makes this face like, there was an axe? <laughs> like, I could have used an axe. Uh, as Morgan chases him up a flight of stairs. Also, what's your plan with an axe? Like, chop his leg or bury it in his chest. Ugh. If you're not looking to kill a dude, an axe is a big commitment. It is. And it's also a heavy weapon that doesn't have good recovery. So... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's pretty menacing, so I guess if you're just looking to back someone up, you've, you've got it. <clears throat> yeah. But Nick kicks the axe out of Morgan's hands. Then they fist fight a bunch, and at this point it's like a bad horror movie where the monster keeps coming back no matter how much you think he's dead. Morgan mm -hmm. keeps cleaning Nick's clock, and Nick just stumbles back up over and over, even when Morgan thinks Nick's down for good and dares to try to catch his breath with his back turned. Frankie yells, look out, and Morgan turns just in time to deliver the elbows of death to Nick's face, sending Nick over the railing of the loft and to his death below. <laughs> oh, well, it's no Wilhelm scream, but I'll give it a B minus for believability. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, Nick lies in a pool of blood as we fade to black. 
And suddenly we're back at the club and everything is way cool. Oh, I wish I could tell you this was a joke, but this is <laughs> really what happened after a man died. Morgan and Frankie are just hanging out at the club like Morgan didn't just kill four people. This was insane. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I don't know, the last time they went to this club, it was straight from talking about how Frankie's mom died from cancer. Yeah. So maybe dancing at this club is how these two deal with trauma. Yeah. I don't I could I don't be. Know. Jimmy is also there walking around with a cast on his legs. So I guess everything's just great now. I mean, is Morgan's dad alive? We don't know. Is Nick dead? Who cares, I guess? <laughs> I mean, I guess Frankie and Morgan have to get married now because of their trauma bond. That's okay with us, though, because that's what we're here for with these 80s teen movies. So long live James Spader and Robert Downey Jr. Oh, my gosh. Indeed. But also the way... <laughs> that the ending of this movie happens is ludicrous. So like Frankie and Morgan just walk into this club and immediately the band recognizes her as the, Hey, it's that girl who danced on tables a couple nights yeah. ago, girl. And uh, then right as they start singing a song about exactly that, like the <laughs> lyrics are about that. The movie just ends abruptly <laughs> yeah. and cuts to credits with no warning. <laughs> I was watching this by myself and I laughed and said, what out loud when this happened? <laughs> and it also, I mean, it does that, it does do that thing where it's like over, but not really because yeah. it keeps cutting back and forth between credits and then like wacky shots of the band interacting with the actors right. and the song continues. But it's such a crazy abrupt ending, especially since like you said, literally 10 seconds prior, Morgan was killing a man. Yeah. And now it's all like, Ha-ha's and wacky <laughs> saxophones. I think I want like, to cut that scream right and butt it right up against the band playing at the club. <laughs> because that is how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that transition feels. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe what should have happened is that the sex scene should have come after this and before the club, but then they're just doing it after he potentially killed a guy. Right. I don't know. Right. I don't know how to fix this problem. You can't. But it's, it is, <laughs> it is in fact an editing problem. It's <laughs> Oh, maybe insane. they just needed to throw another one of those vertical blinds wipes in there. True. That would have maybe That's fixed true. it. Yeah. And I feel like it's also a thing where this band, like the Jack Mac and the Heart Attack, mm -hmm. had it in the contract that they had two songs yes. with two performances yes. in this in the, the movie. And they were like, well, I guess we'll just put the other one at the end where they can be like kind of interacting with them. But there's no transition between literally like nope. Nick falling to his death. And then it's like, <laughs> like wacky, like yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> hey, here comes that wacky girl and her murderer boyfriend. <laughs> Let's all pretend she's to play saxophone together. Yeah, Healing. she's gonna dance on some tables. She's hot in her high heels. Like what? What? Oh my gosh! All right. Well, thank you for joining us this week, um, and thanks again to our listeners for insisting that we cover this movie because it was a great one. Yeah, so glad I watched it three times. I loved it. Same. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> 
I did too. It was really, really good. So, all right. Well, join us next week for our penultimate episode of the season mm. because we're going to talk about the 80s classic Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yes. It's going to be good. All right. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Join us each week for a new episode of So Five Minutes Ago. Check out our Instagram at So Five Minutes Ago Pod with the number five to see visuals and clips from the show. You can also get in touch with us at So Five Minutes Ago Pod at gmail.com. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Special thanks to Dave Quiggle for creating our podcast music. Talk to you all next week. Five minutes ago.